Welcome into Weekly Edition. I'm Jared Hart. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Joining us, Jennifer Maldonado and Jade Richardson-Bach from the Children's Grief Center of New Mexico. Thank you guys for taking the time today. Thank you. Thank you. So you have an event coming up in September. Uh, I feel like we've devoted a lot of time to social issues, things that have happened because of COVID. And there's lots of great charities out there who are probably also struggling with getting their message out. Um, so thank you guys for sitting down. You have an event coming up in September. Is that right? It is. This is our fourth annual music under the stars. Uh, this year we're doing it with a twist uh, because of social distancing. We're doing music under the stars in our cars. So think drive-in meets concert. Okay. And actually, let's back up. I'm sorry. Tell me about the Children's Grief Center. Sure, Jared. Happy to. This is Jade. The Children's Grief Center is the only organization in central New Mexico devoted to helping young people and their families after the death of a loved one. And the Children's Grief Center began providing this really vital support in 2001. As we enter our 19th year, we could have never anticipated the global pandemic and the incredible increase in need for grief support services. But we, as an organization with 19 years history in central New Mexico, have the strength and experience to respond. And we have been providing our support services, which are always provided at no charge to grieving families remotely since March. And it's been a challenging time for all of us, of course, but the Children's Grief Center continues to be a resource for families um, facing an unexpected loss, the death of a mother or father or brother or sister, as well as professionals who find themselves working with more grieving clients than ever before. Wow. And I'll, I want to come back to that. And so you'd mentioned the the fourth annual Music Under the Stars. So tell me a little bit about what the event looks like normally, Jennifer, uh, compared to what it'll look like this year. So it's normally performed outside. Uh, over the years, it's been performed outside uh, on a rooftop or in the backyard of the actual group center. So this year, we're having it at Sandia Speedway. And we expect 200 vehicles. We have two live local artists, Sim Bockley and Kyle Martin. Yeah. And 200 cars, if someone wanted to participate, um, how, can they, how can they find out more? They can find out more by going to childrensgrief.org slash events. And how does the event, I guess this is probably a question for Jade. So the funds from that event, um, are you fully supported by donations or where do those funds go? 
You're correct, Jared. So the Children's Grief Center never charges families for services because after a death, finances are uncertain. There may be unexpected medical bills and funeral expenses. And so to help grieving families get the help they need immediately, all of these services are provided at no charge. And that happens through the generosity of our community. And that's not big philanthropists with multi-million dollar budgets necessarily, Jared. That's People like you and me contributing $25 a month and buying a ticket to our annual Music Under the Stars event. That's a big part of how we are able to provide support for these families. It costs us um, a, around $700 to provide a young person with grief support, and that's for an entire year. That's thanks to all of our fabulous volunteers. We have almost a hundred volunteers from all walks of life who commit to providing their skill and their talent to support these families in various ways. And that really helps to keep our costs down. But the community is a huge part of making the Children's Grief Center possible. And What's cool about Music Under the Stars is it's a way for us to have a good time, celebrate life, do so safely, and still make sure that these vital services are available to families who have lost loved ones and families who will need us in the future as well. So I want to take a step back even. The Children's Grief Center, uh, Children's is kind of a wide um, definition. What are the ages that you guys assist with? So actually, we serve all ages. Uh, we focus on young people between the ages of 5 and 25, and they get support groups, education, workshops, like our Grief in the Holidays event, which helps families prepare for the holidays after somebody they love is missing. And then we also provide support for the caregivers associated with those young people because when children are grieving, so are the other people in their family. And we also provide support for specific groups of adults that aren't served elsewhere, like adults who have experienced the death of a child with a chronic medical condition or adults who've experienced the death of an infant or a miscarriage. And looking forward to respond to our community's incredible need, we are really hoping that in September, and this depends on community support from new volunteers, as well as contributions through events like Music Under the Stars, but we're hoping to add in a new set of open support groups for adults not attached to a child, but adults who have experienced death as so many have in our community and they have nowhere else to turn. It's a big, bold mission statement. Um, I want to hit this a few times through the interview. So how can people either donate to your organization or volunteer to get involved? Well, as Jennifer said, the, the best way to find all about this stuff is at childrensgrief.org. You can also look up Children's Grief Center of New Mexico on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram or just give us a call. 505-323-0478. Even in this time of COVID, we are making sure that we are returning calls within an hour um, if somebody has to leave a message and we're not able to answer right away. 
but we do have people working in the office. We're all taking shifts. There's a lot of different ways to get involved. This really is a community-based organization. It's by the community. It's for the community. This is not a mental health service, Jared. I don't know if you've ever experienced a death in your family that really laid you low, but grief is a normal reaction to the loss of someone we love. And we can help because we've been there and we provide caring support. And what we hear from our families most frequently is now I know I'm not alone and now I know I'm not going crazy. And so there's a lot of different ways for people to help with that. We need financial contributions all the time. Uh, We also need volunteers. In fact, we have a volunteer training coming up in five days. And there's information about um, volunteering with the Children's Grief Center on our website as well. And because all of our support groups are going to be held over Zoom for the foreseeable future to keep everybody safe, our volunteers, our kids, our adults, um, you can volunteer over Zoom too. So you can volunteer from the safety of your own home. You just need a reliable internet connection and some privacy and you need to complete our training. Um, And there's all sorts of details about all that at childrensgrief.org. And I assume that there's been a, a additional level of uh, how to deal with grief when you're dealing, I know that not just COVID deaths, but people aren't allowed to the hospital the same way to be there. Uh, I assume the grief process has changed. And for kids, that seems like uh, right now trying to understand what's happening is probably even more difficult. Uh, Jared, I don't know what you're doing after this, but I definitely need you to volunteer with the Children's (laughs) Free Center. Um, So you have just hit the nail on the head. The very first task of a grieving child, and we follow a task-oriented model as opposed to the stages of grief, which were made popular by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, but the very first task of a grieving child is to understand. And that means understand what happened, understand the difference between my daddy was alive and now my daddy is dead. Very young children will come up to people in their family weeks after a funeral and they'll say, you know, I know daddy died, but when is he coming home? And that shows us that there is a barrier to understanding. And just like you described in this time of COVID, when families are not allowed to be at the bedside, um, when their loved one is dying in the hospital, You know, nurses are FaceTiming um, dying patients so their families can look at them one last time. And that creates an even greater barrier to understanding what has happened. And we cannot manage and deal with the big issues in our lives until we understand them. And so There are a lot of people who are passing away from a variety of things. You know, the incidents that bring families to us tend to be traumatic because these are unexpected out of order deaths, right? These are young families dealing with tragic situations and those have not slowed down in the time of COVID, but grieving is harder because we can't be with our people in the hospital and we can't even have the funerals and the celebrations of life that would bring our community together to support us. 
And this is why the Grief Center is needed now more than ever. And that means our community is needed now more than ever. We're speaking with Jade Richardson-Bach and uh, Jennifer Maldonado from the Children's Grief Center, childrensgrief.org, if you want to volunteer, if you want to donate. Uh, That's one of the things that I think has stood out to me in reading news stories is that um, you'll see the story about uh, especially elderly couples where one of them gets sick and there's not even a funeral. They go to the hospital, something tragic happens there's a funeral that they are quarantined from and the next thing that is that their loved one is is gone like i can't imagine the differences in how your counselors talk people through that because thinking just as an adult of not being able to go through that process it seems like that would be eternally difficult to understand for anybody and i know you just covered that i just i find it amazing Yeah, you're right. And this is why we need this kind of place, the Children's Grief Center and these kind of supports. And, you know, like we said a minute ago, you know, everything you're describing is is totally a normal response to a really messed up situation. You know, this this sort of global grief that we find ourselves in. I mean, we define grief as the feelings you feel whenever you lose something or someone important to you. And where the grief that we specifically exist to address at the Children's Grief Center is the kind of grief that comes after the death of a loved one. Um, You know, in these unprecedented times, you know, we're all grieving on some level. We're all grieving the loss of normalcy. We're all grieving our places of comfort, you know, um, you know, whether you miss going to happy hour with your buddies and unwinding, or you miss being able to go to church with your community and connecting, uh, we're all grieving. And the Children's Grief Center, we do have a long history of providing expert support But, you know, we're not counselors. We're not mental health professionals. We're just people who have been there. Um, We understand and we've all taken this really special training. Um, It's called the bereavement facilitator training. And so, you know, pretty much any functioning adult can take that training and learn how to provide meaningful support to grieving people through the Children's Grief Center, but also in our own families, in our own lives. And so if somebody just has an interest in helping, they don't have to have a background in counseling or or they can just hop on and help out. Wow. In fact, if they do have a background in counseling or social work, we say you can't do that here, you know, because we do not diagnose people. We don't treat them because grief isn't a mental illness. It's normal. It's a it's a normal set of feelings and challenges that you have when something crappy happens. So if a family is in a situation where they know, I don't know, six months or a year from now that they're going to have um, a large scale uh, grievous event, when do you advise them putting the kids into some uh, programs like that from the minute you get a diagnosis or uh, do you wait until someone's actual passing? You know, there are programs out there um, around the country that Um, try to provide support for families who are anticipating a death. And that's really tough because when you're anticipating a death, kind of like all the resources in the family are about 
what is happening. And so what we focus on at the Children's Grief Center is after the death has occurred. I like to tell people, we will be there for you after the tuna casseroles stop coming. Right. Well, and, and that's actually, I think, my friends that have gone through serious yeah. events like that, uh, everything from a friend of mine beat cancer, and she said that the loneliest thing was when people, the, you have this outpouring of, of love and, and, you know, people, emotional hugs, and then one day they're just gone. And it's just you. Yeah. And she said that was the hardest part for her. Same for my mom when my, you know, stepfather passed. It was, it was when all of that attention died down that became really difficult. And it's amazing how quickly that happens. And, you know, in this time of COVID, that, um, that type of community support and response might not ever even begin because we're all so stressed out and we are required to be distant. And, you know, this is the kind of work that we do every single day. And this is why we exist. And, you know, this is our 19th year of providing long-term grief support at no charge. So I'm excited to get to learn to provide more services for more families, but KRST support and helping us to put on this concert, Music Under the Stars, is absolutely vital to these programs continuing to exist. So thank you. No, we're happy to help. Happy that you guys take the time to talk with us. Uh, Childrensgrief.org if you want to volunteer or um, find space, the support net um, for your kids. I actually, I want to ask you about that, Jade. The You started this in, or you, I'm sorry, uh, Children's Grief was started in 2001. I am the way that kids interact with the world around them digitally has changed so drastically since 2001. Can you talk to me about that? Oh, yeah. I think in 2001, most of us didn't even have computers in our home, right? right. Um, in 2001, the kids that we are serving today weren't born. <laughs> Right. Um, and, you know, that has been a challenge for us as staff and even our volunteers to figure out how to connect with people online. But we're learning, we're adapting, and we find that our kids, especially our tweens and our teens, are actually super into it. Um, typically, our support groups for, like, because of demand for our services, when we're meeting in person due to space limitations, we one family will come to group like every other Wednesday. And that means we're running groups every single Wednesday, but one family comes, um, you know, say the second and fourth Wednesday and the second family comes the first and third Wednesdays, right? And that's how we're able to maximize our space. But when we transitioned to Zoom in March, our teens said, hey, can we meet every week? Now that we're doing this virtually, we want to see each other more often and we need this support more often. Well, I imagine that the, the Zoom, while unfamiliar to most of the, the people in my office at the beginning of this, uh, I assume that that feels less uh, I, th I think it feels impersonal to my generation and generations older, but I, I anticipate that's not the same for the, the kids you're dealing with. 
It doesn't seem to be, you know, I mean, they are, um, they're a flexible and electronic uh, generation and they're into it. So as so often in life, you know, we learn from the kids. I read a great book called Alone Together by Sherry Turkle. She's uh, an MIT, um, I think she calls herself a technological anthropologist. And she talks about how kids talk to other kids to kind of find out how they're feeling. Whereas when I had to ask a girl out on a date, I had to call her real time. She had to say yes or no in that same moment. And I had to know what to say after that. Kids now receive a text. They check with their friends about what they should (laughs) say. And they kind of use each other that way. Um, I'm curious in the the grief scenario, um, how the world has changed since 2001 with how kids deal with grief? Well, some things don't change. And that's that, you know, when we're talking about tweens and teens, adolescents, um, I would even say up to age 17, 18, uh, they really, you know, I think the number one thing is I want to fit in with my friends and I don't want to be different than them. And, you know, we just did a program last Thursday. It's called Back to School Jumpstart, where we helped our kids get ready to start a new school year, even virtually, right? How do you tell your story after a death in the family? When someone asks you how many brothers and sisters you have and you just had a sister pass away, how do you respond to that? And some of our kids were sharing with us over Zoom on those groups that, you know, in my words, I'm going to say this, they were feeling more isolated from their peer group because their peers did not know how to wrap their brains around what happened. And so um, one girl shared that, you know, she got a text from a friend who said, I know how you feel because, you know, I lost a pet. And this girl lost her mom. And so that's even more isolating when all you want to do is fit in, right? And, you know, have that peer support and that peer group that gets you. When someone in your family dies, they don't get you. Some of your friends might even, they so don't know what to say, they will avoid you. You know, and so you're losing friends. And, you know, that happens to adults too, Jared, that our our adult friends don't know how to respond to us. They might act like death is contagious. And so they avoid you and then you have another loss, right? And you don't know what happened to the people that were in your community and the people you counted on. So some teenagers will say things like, I just don't want anybody to know what happened because I don't want them to treat me differently. I just want school to be normal. I just want my friends to be normal. I want my basketball team to be normal. I don't want them to be like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, and I know just how you feel because my dog died, right? And that makes you feel even more alone and that sort of amplifies the pain of grief and why we need that kind of directed, specific, intelligent grief support that says, I, I see where you're coming from, how you're feeling makes a lot of sense to me, and you are not alone. Because here is a virtual room full of people who have stories like yours. And that, I assume, goes for adults, too. I know that 
Heck yeah. Well, people say, I know how you're feeling. And I just, uh, so they, what is the way uh, for any grieving person? What is the way to talk to them? You know, if I could tell anybody a perfect sentence to make the pain of grief go away, this would have been a much shorter conversation. (laughs) The center would have opened and closed already. Right. And we wouldn't be talking about music under the stars and volunteers and things like that. So there's there's no one perfect answer. But I would say in general, what we need when we're grieving is we need a companion. We need someone to sit by our side and say, you know, this has got to suck. But I'm here with you through it whatever that means. That's great advice. Uh, You'd mentioned the space and rotating Wednesdays. Um, You guys are trying to build a new center. Um, How is that going? Oh, wow. Yeah, that is, um, it's really hard, Jared. I don't know if you've ever tried to fundraise (laughs) in a global pandemic for a brick and mortar project, but Jennifer and I are figuring it out. You know, we're, we're like working really hard on it all the time because again, this, this work is so important and what we need in our community, and this isn't just me talking, okay? This is hundreds and hundreds of grieving families and thousands of professionals agree that what we need in our community is a center, a place where we can provide grief support for all ages and stages, where we can provide office space for therapists who really get it and and specialize in this kind of stuff for people who need extra support, where we can provide a training center for professionals who like first responders, APD chaplains, you know, people on the ground, funeral home providers, people who work with grieving people every day to really have the best skills and the best response so we don't perpetuate the trauma of death. So what we are calling this is the Center for Hope and Healing. And we have, um, we've purchased a building. I mean, we have a mortgage on a building and we are working really hard to raise money and also um, in-kind contributions from our construction community to get that building up to speed. And just a little snapshot is that the the building is kind of in rough shape. So we have a lot of folks coming together, experts on this, which I am not, and Jennifer is not, you know, we are not, uh, I don't know anything about um, permits and electrical requirements, but fortunately we have a lot of volunteers who do, (laughs) and they're helping us figure this out. But the Center for Hope and Healing um, is going, is on Carlisle. And um, as soon as we have, you know, the, the funds and the support we need to get that renovation started, which I'm hoping will be before the end of the year, um, we'll definitely keep you posted on our progress. But that's another way that people can help. You know, you might be saying, you know, I don't want to facilitate a Zoom meeting with grieving kids. That sounds like not a good time. So um, maybe you want to paint a room or donate landscaping materials or maybe a 190 foot long, eight feet tall concrete block wall, just saying, you know, there, there are things that we need. And so that's definitely another way that people can help make sure that this work is serving the people who need us. 
And if there is somebody that has a construction company or a landscaping company, are you still looking for uh, in-kind support for some of those things? Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. In fact, um, there's information about the Center for Hope and Healing on our website, and we have some preliminary plans. We have a building committee. We have some awesome volunteers, like I said, who are real experts in this stuff, and there is definitely room for more. And this is going to be a huge community effort. I, in my mind, I picture it like a barn raising. That's how it's going to have to work. And so childrensgrief.org to find out details about mm-hmm. that, as well as uh, purchase tickets and for Music Under the Stars, the fourth annual yes. Music Under the Stars in Cars. Uh, in it, our cars at Sandia Speedway <laughs> in uh, September 18th. And it's going to be like a really good time. And I'm excited to go a little country. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, any uh, Jade Richardson Bach, thank you so much for the time. Uh, Jennifer Maldonado, thank you guys. Tickets are on sale now for the this, I guess, drive-in concert event. Drive-in movie meets yes. spectacular concert. It's spectacular. There's no other concerts going on. This is, if you want to see live music, there's very few places you can do it right now. Yes, right. And, and Jennifer, tell us again about the amazing artists that we have performing for us this year, because these guys are so cool. Two local great artists, Mbalkley and Kyle Martin. Awesome. Tickets are on sale now at uh, childrensgrief.org. Thank you guys so much for taking the time today. Thank you, Jared. Thank you. Thank you.